Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Susan. And wait a minute. Uh, you're not Bruce. No, actually, I'm not. I'm not Bruce Gray. You're exactly right, Ben. Good, good. Uh, Susan, this is your first time on our podcast. Uh, please, please announce yourself. Susan, obviously. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself real quick. Okay. This is my first podcast anywhere. Thank you very much. I'm oh, kind of honored. Oh, so. well, then it only yeah. goes up from here. <laughs> I'm, uh, I've been a priest for 25 years, and I know Bruce because when he was the rector of uh, the Church of St. Matthias in Whittier, California, I would visit my aunt and uncle there, and I would be there at Thanksgiving, and Aunt Margo and I would go over and help the feeding, the huge Thanksgiving dinner that they did at St. Matthias. Hmm. So it was really fun to know Bruce before Indianapolis and um, some of the many wonderful ministries that he did. And Kathy, his wife, and I were in grad school together. So um, when I retired as the priest in charge of Church of the Nativity in Indianapolis, uh, right before COVID, in fact, it was April 1st, kind of April Fool's Day, kind of felt like that. And uh, oh, so this man. is when I finally was able to find a church open. It's been really a blessing to be able to come here and worship with this, the Holy Family family. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is you've got all the dirt, all the <laughs> dirt. OK, good, good, good to know. Uh, well, we're, we're uh, uh, for the folks listening at home, we're coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And uh, uh, Susan, you just you just wrapped up your uh your your first uh um service with us uh and uh and this is in preparation for your the the second the the second of uh two sundays with us how'd we do How, how's uh <laughs> <laughs> i've never been asked how the congregation does before the congregation does great good. i mean this is a very friendly parish i appreciate it good and, good good um, and people are welcoming. I really like that. Several people spoke to me. A lot of people waved. Um, it's good. You guys yeah. are a good bunch. Yeah. See, that's that. This is what I just wanted to be able to have it uh, recorded, set in stone, for <laughs> for all eternity. Um, yeah. This is your podcast. Uh, a, a weird, a, a, a semi weird intro, even for me, because uh, I, I have have a rhythm that I always fail to do. Uh, but uh, but uh, this is the podcast for September fifth, twenty twenty one, the fifteenth Sunday after Pentagon. Uh, Pentagon, Pentecost. See, my brain's not functioning yet. Um, and proper uh, eighteen, proper eighteen, proper yeah, proper eighteen. Uh, um, and we're man, we are just chugging along. We're in September now, and it's still unbearably hot. <laughs> but we are very glad to have you uh, here with us. I'm I am going to uh, I'm going to move on to our person of the day. Normally, I utilize this time period to stump Bruce. Right. Um, and, but let me stump you, Ben. Oh, please, because you're my person of the day. I don't know much about you. I saw you singing in the choir mm -hmm. and now you're doing all this electronic stuff. Mm -hmm. It seems like, and then you came early at the eight o'clock service to make sure the lights were on. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you don't do at Holy Family? How did you uh, get so involved? Here? I don't do the landscaping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, uh, my wife and I started coming, uh, to Holy Family many moons ago. Um, um, Goodness, that had to have been uh, uh, about 15 years ago, maybe a, a little bit more, because mm. we've been we've been married for more than that, and we we started coming here shortly uh, shortly around that period of time when we were getting married, and um, uh, immediately fell in love with the parish, uh, got involved with the choir almost like week two, 
Uh, and uh, I have served on Vestry. I've been the senior warden several times over. Uh, I, I helped uh, establish the audio video ministry here. You established it. Good yeah. Job. Yeah. We started. Yeah. We, we got it. Got it going to the uh, barely functioning group that it is now and, and uh, uh, um, built up uh, this podcast almost three years ago. And uh, the, the live broadcast uh, uh, was a thing that we started doing during COVID. And so we're just we're just uh, slowly piecing it all together. My wife is the uh, the director of the choir. Uh, she's been the, the music director for many years as well. Um, so uh it's it's been it's it's been a long uh journey a long fun journey here at what's the, your at the most fun thing the leadership or the parenting or the music or the tech or the what <clears throat> i i really enjoy probably i think the interaction with the individual parishioners um uh i would say second near and dear uh to my heart uh is is uh, being able to spend time with uh the celebrants who come in, uh, the, the the priests who have served here, um, getting to create an environment for those individuals where they can feel safe and and uh, and and have a, a kind of an opening open relationship. Because I know it's you you always feel like you're on, um, and and uh, uh, creating an environment where they individuals can be themselves a little bit. And that's usually when the microphones aren't recording. Uh, but you know, hey, if you want to, <laughs> if you if you want to put that down, uh, you can put it down. Um, so, uh, but, but yeah, that's, I, I, it's, I think it's the relationships for me. Um, that's great. Did um, you start life as an Episcopalian? I did not. I did not. I always like to tell the story, uh, that, uh, I was originally paid to go to, to the Episcopal church. I was originally, I was bribed. I was yeah, bribed you with were a paid musician with, with cash money. Yes, I was, uh, in college. Um, uh, we, Bethany and I went to the same college and there, it was, there was a nearby Episcopal church that, uh, had, uh, choral scholarships and they would pay one soprano, one alto, one tenor and one bass to come section in and leads. be section leads. Yeah. And so Bethany was the soft, uh, the, the soprano lead and I was the bass lead and, uh, literally got bribed to go to church. Uh, but, it took though. It took. It took. I very much enjoyed it. I loved the yeah. loved the feel, loved the, the the sense of history that that belonged to uh, the church and the liturgy and everything. So. Um, well, what I liked about the podcast that I listened uh, to with you and Bruce is the laughter, and I want to just share mm -hmm. something that I just heard today, actually, on the way in. Um, laughter is the virus that infects us with humanity. Hmm. And the guy who said that, I can't remember his last name. He's a storyteller. Um, and he teaches that to his students. He says, if you've laughed with people, you can never again see them as other and put them down. Laughter is the virus that infects us with humanity. Isn't that terrific? I do like that. that <laughs> I is, like it too. Those are great words to live by. <laughs> right? that's, a, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Roger Luis Alberto, and I forget his last name. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, being. Wait, wait, wait. Say that, say that name again. Uh, the, the part of it that you remember. Yeah. <laughs> least. Roger Luis Alberto, and it's something like Aria or Arias wow. on, on being with Krista Tippett interviewed him and what okay. a wise man. Yeah, that uh, truly a uh, few fewer wiser words have been have, have been spoken. That's absolutely uh, a great mindset and approach to life in general. I'm, I'm that's that's a that's a I'm going to have to find that phrase. Uh, exactly. That'll be my next tattoo. That'll be my. <laughs> 
my next tattooed phrase as a reminder. <clears throat> um, so, uh, so, so if you don't mind, I will do my person of the day. Uh, and, and for the, the podcast listeners, uh, part of this admittedly is pulling punches. But when I found this person on the Episcopal Dictionary of the Church, I thought, you know what? We don't talk about that uh, so much, uh, very much. So, Susan, your person of the day is George Washington. Oh, yes. Right. You know, that's funny because everyone uh, knows from their, you know, fifth grade, whatever, that he was a deist. But in fact, he attended Episcopal churches. Mm -hmm. And my friend Bill used to be uh, the rector at uh, Christ Church Washington Parish in Washington, D.C., and it was called Washington Parish because it's the church that George Washington attended. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. Isn't that fun that we have uh, Mr. Washington in our as part of us in our uh, balcony, so to speak? Yeah, uh, he was a, he was a vestryman. Uh, was he? Uh, he yeah, yeah. It, it says that he served as a as a as an Episcopal vestryman, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, um, yeah, uh, attended services at, at, at how do you pronounce it? Pohick po Church. Uh, uh, it was was a was at least one of the uh, locations, one of the church locations that he attended, um, uh, and uh, um, he owned two pews. This is interesting. He owned two pews, probably as he gave them as gifts to the to, to, to the church. Uh, uh, no, one, I don't think so. No, uh, they used to have a. Pew Did he pick tax. them up and take them with? No, him, it wasn't the physical pew. They would build uh, these old churches, and they had pew boxes, so to speak, a okay. door, actually. And you could bring your own heater. I don't know how you do that exactly. But anyway, uh, because it was cold, and so there were not pews in the churches that anybody could sit in. Uh, yeah. you, had to, uh, you had to pay to sit mm -hmm. in a pew. So I think that, I don't know if you could rent them and own them or how that worked, but you did have to pay. So hmm. um, once he died, then the, the pews would either go to his heirs or be up for sale or rent to somebody else. Yeah, they're like, they're like season tickets to, uh, yes, exactly. to, to the Colts. <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah, he owned one in, in, at Pohick Church and one in Christ Church in Alexandria. Uh, he was an active member of the uh, Truro Yes. Vestry, yes, seventeen sixty three until seventeen eighty four. I'm sure. Do, do, do you really think he paid for that pew, or like, look, hey, they, man, they, I'm no, they all. I they was money. the president. Can I? I get a pew, right? Like that's no, one of the perks. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I helped out with a little church, another Christ Church in Oyster Bay on Long Island, and it was a church that Teddy Roosevelt attended, a physical oh, wow. church. And uh, that was, he was after the pew taxes were ended, I think, mm -hmm. because there is the pew where he always sat. And I always thought it was free. Maybe I'm wrong, but it was in the back on the right. And they still mark it with some of the things that were there when he was there. Huh. And there's a little picture and a little sign. So uh, people who go visit always want to go back and visit Teddy Roosevelt and sit in his pew. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that would be, yeah, that I would want, I would want to do that. Yeah. That would be, a, I wouldn't call it a pilgrimage, but that would definitely be I a guess. A, a fun, a fun uh, a place to visit and experience. That exactly. would be that would be great. Um, uh, yeah, he also uh, on three occasions served as one of the church wardens. So um, just so, like you, you're just, walking in good big footsteps. Right, 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 right. Uh, uh, yeah, I, very big footsteps. Now, I'm and I'm several. I'm a gate or and a half behind. Uh, I'm like well, <laughs> well behind. 
Um, but yeah, and then also the other thing that it mentions here is the 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 Bible that uh, uh, he had. Uh, he bequeathed his Bible to um, Reverend Brian Lord Fairfax, uh, Fairfax uh, of the he's an Episcopal clergyman of Fairfax County, Virginia, and um, uh, that. Bible has been passed on several times since. And so that's an heirloom, right? So that uh, I just found it interesting as I uh, happened to click to the W's to kind of like look for who, to, who I wanted to pick for the week. It was like, you know, we don't talk about some of the more famous people who happen to be Episcopalian uh, uh, nearly as often as, as uh, I think we, we would like uh, there's 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 a lot of people in history that that attended and agreed parishioned, uh as with the episcopal church so. you know we should stump the listeners though because mm. there are quite a few presidents who were episcopalians uh and i'm not sure i know them all i think james monroe was one mm-hmm. we know franklin delano roosevelt and teddy roosevelt were two uh, and then George Washington um, attended the Episcopal Church. I wonder who the other ones were. If someone wanted to uh, let you know that, oh, yeah. would they email the church? Or how would they yeah, we've got an email, uh, shortcut at hfec.org. Uh, bonus points Christian. will be uh, conveyed. Bonus points. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. For the, for the, you know, shortcut to Sunday podcast store that we don't have um <laughs> but but uh but yeah that would that would be yeah that would be very interesting to find out is is um how many how many presidents uh um uh, attended episcopal church uh it's probably more than we would necessarily think george hw bush was one of course mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah well good I'll, I'll hope somebody will call in and i i sure hope so list. i sure hope so you, you you that are listening know who you are google away uh <laughs> find find us that list find us that list well let's uh let's move speaking of uh uh famous people uh um None are fewer, more famous uh, as prophets than Isaiah. So why don't we why don't we uh, move over to Isaiah? Let's do uh, for our first reading. Uh, it's a short and sweet one. This is a, a chapter thirty five, verse four through seven a, and that reads: So to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. Um, when you think about our, our neighbors out on the West Coast, boy, the thirsty sands yeah. shall be cool. Boy, that yeah. feels like a prophetic message we need right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, uh, this is very this is very poetic. One would almost, you know, could imagine this as a psalm rather than from Isaiah. But I guess Isaiah has his very poetic moments, too. It so. does, and they call it a song, actually. There are several songs. Oh, okay. And, uh, I wonder if you know that there are actually three Isaiahs or more. We do. Yeah, we have right. talked about that on the podcast several times. And right. and and, uh, and in all probability, uh, three different authors, perhaps. Uh, for probably more than that. Probably more. Three. Yeah. But yeah. The. Uh, but j- just to recap, uh, the 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 three different Isaiahs are. are 
we call them three Isaiahs, but they're they're uh, really more relative to like the period of time when they were written. Uh, the first is uh, prior to captivity That's uh, right. in Babylon, and the second is. I'm trying to remember if the second is during or in anticipation of return from captivity. During. And then uh, the third is is uh, uh, on the getting ready to go on the way back and on the return. Good and job. Trying, I don't think it. I don't think it has any period of time where it's they actually do are in uh, uh, back home. I believe it kind of ends uh, with anticipation, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. That's third Isaiah, yeah, uh, fifty-six uh, to sixty-six. Um, yeah, and that <clears throat> there's so many wonderful readings there about the homecoming that, in the Easter vigil, and then forty to fifty-five is uh, the comfort, comfort ye my people that I love so much, mm-hmm. and that's because right they're getting ready to be shipped out, and this is that first uh, one to thirty-nine chapters, one to thirty-nine. I guess there's a lot of judgment in that. And mm-hmm. we don't always get the judgment parts in our lectionary, which is actually fine with me. Some of those are pretty tough. Um, <laughs> but I was interested because, uh, the, <clears throat> you know, there are different mindsets that people read the Bible with. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you've heard of the Deuteronomic historian. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the idea that God is in charge of everything and nothing happens apart from God's will. So, that's before process theology, you know. But so, therefore, people try to interpret, well, if this bad thing happened, then God must have caused it. And why? Right. And then they figured out, well, if you were bad, then God would punish you. And that's why we had these bad things. Um, so, yeah, there's all these judgments against all the nations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Edom, I think, and uh, Assyria and um, so on. So this little tiny pericope that you're mentioning, you're right. It's kind of an oasis in there, man. It's just yeah. a beautiful little piece. It is. It is. It, although it, it, it's kind of interesting the way the way that it's written is, is uh, um, I almost said off-putting. It's not off-putting. That's not the the, word, the correct word that I'm looking for. But it, but it 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 turns the reader a little bit on its ear, uh, or at least for me it does. Be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. Okay, all right. I'm not. I'm not afraid. He will come with vengeance. Okay, I'm back to the fear part. <laughs> like uh, uh, with terrible recompense. Uh, but like uh, uh, so, it's kind of interesting that the author is saying like, "Don't be afraid, but be afraid. Be 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 fairly afraid." <laughs> well, but that's that word recompense is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like. Um, You've been, you, Israel, it's like this one's for Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, be strong. Uh, here is your God um, who's coming to redeem you, to save you, to rescue you. And so all people that have messed you over mm-hmm. and uh, hurt your temple and killed you and all this kind of stuff, um, you're going to be compensated for that. Yeah. So the vengeance might be aimed at the people that have harmed children of Israel. Uh, that's a, that's a good that's a very good uh, point that that uh, maybe the re- the original readers were sitting there going like yeah <laughs> he's coming. Um, uh, although they, they, it, as we kind of mentioned before this this is first Isaiah is it not uh, so um, kind of unfortunate that uh, what's really coming is not that vengeance uh, at, at this point in time. Um, 
they've got some hard times coming. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but that whole thing about the healing, I think that the lectionary pickers put this one with <clears throat> the other two lessons because it's the healing is related. Mm -hmm. um, but really, it's the kingdom of God, isn't it? It's this whole thing that uh, reality is rearranged. Yeah. You know, and you were blind, but now you can see. And um, and it's just interesting. I found this thing I was reading that it says your the tongues are loosened. The tongues, would you read that again? The tongues. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The and the tongue of the speeches sing for joy. Yeah, the tongues of the speeches will sing for joy. And in the gospel, there's the same thing. The the tongues of those who have been uh, dumb, which is mm -hmm. the word for un being unable to speak, will speak plainly. So there's this, and the only the word for that, whatever that uh, Greek uh, verb is for uh, being dumb and then coming, being healed, coming to speak plainly, it only appears twice in the whole Bible. Huh. Once in this passage from Isaiah and the other one in the part of Mark that we're going to hear next Sunday as well. Huh. So there's that interesting parallel about speaking plainly. I don't know. But healing, I mean, don't you love that image? Yeah. The kingdom of God, boy. Yeah. You can do what you what your were, body was intended to do. Yeah. Maybe that means I'll be able to lift weights. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does. It You can definitely see, too, um, both in the uh, the realization of the prophecies that come from Isaiah uh, in Christ uh, himself, but also it, also kind of manifested in the in the um, the writers of the Gospels, who, like as they kind of focus on that, they, you can kind of tell where they're drawing their inspiration as they're they're writing these accounts down of like, hey, you remember that passage from Isaiah, and here's five stories in a row that talk about you know healing the blind, healing the deaf, healing you know yeah. make you know healing the lame, and in all these different man and and you can almost imagine like the 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 gospel writer mark like thinking of some of these passages from isaiah as the accounts are being written down hey i'm, gonna, I'm just gonna i'm gonna take this you know three chapter session to just talk all about these fulfillments and 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 it's interesting to be able to then uh, uh, thanks to the lectionary uh, um, preparers the, the, to be able to see some of that inspiration within a, a single week. Yeah, um, I think so too. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, this particular <clears throat> passage we get to hear in Advent, um, oh, every, every year C, I think it is, Advent 3, maybe, I don't remember which year it is, but one, of, one year of the three-year cycle, we get to hear this passage in Advent 3. I really love it. I love this passage. It's so hopeful. Yeah. It's so encouraging. It's like um, it's like a wake-up call. You know, come on, have faith. Remember, um, be strong. Right. You know, we need that right now. Yeah, absolutely. And there's 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 two types of uh, in in a way there's two types of healing. The 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 verse five and half of verse six are talking about human healing. Uh, and then uh, the second half of verse six and uh, seven a 
are more about the healing of the land. Like uh, 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 the, you know, waters shall break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert, burning sands shall become a pool. So not only is it like uh, healing for you, but also, wow. you know, your 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 lifestyle, your livestock, your your very way of, of being. The, um, earth. the, the earth. earth. The earth itself. Boy, this is a good time to be reminded that the yeah. Lord is planning for the earth to be healed. That, that would be hopeful for right at the moment when the climate thing were is is so bad um if we do our part then god intends to heal it so that's yeah. helpful isn't it yeah it is it is it very much is um anything else about this very short but very powerful uh yeah. section from isaiah good news a big piece of good news yeah oh, i love it well let's continue with the good news let's move on to james 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 chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, an optional uh, 11 through 13, and then uh, finishing out 14 through 17. I will just read the whole part because okay. <clears throat> I'm a big fan of uh, of keeping the parts in. Uh, otherwise, I'll end up asking you a question about like, hey, what do we leave out and why? Um, so uh, James chapter 2, verse 1 through 17. My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For the one who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. Now that now if you do not commit adultery, but if you murder... You have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty, for judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you, have, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Um, so ending on a very famous line, mm -hmm. faith without works is dead. So there, therein lies uh, uh, the... the the point of the, the 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 argument of faith versus works uh and uh throughout generations uh there have been uh, i there's no i don't think there's very much debate that you should have one but not the other well it's interesting 
because this uh, seems pretty practical. It makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. But it seems to contradict what Paul wrote, his whole thing about salvation by grace through faith. Mm -hmm. And um, that does create a little tension. It does. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. I... Uh, Turns out that because of that conflict between Paul and James, and Paul is such an important apostle, and mm -hmm. James, we're not sure which James it is, actually, um, Martin Luther felt that James should be dropped from the canon because of that contradiction. Interesting. You know, well, God forbid you go up against Paul. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Also Paul. Mm -hmm. uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh. But, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've wondered about this. There's a... Uh, a, a, an important theologian that St. Augustine went over against mm -hmm. named Pelagius, and he was accused of works righteousness. So that's that kind of that um, team of people that is leaning like with James. Mm -hmm. um, and Pelagius was an English theologian, a monk, I think. Mm -hmm. And I've never had the chance to really read him. I've just read, in fact, I'm not sure there is anything of his to be read. Uh, what we mostly know is through Augustine contradicting him and uh, disagreeing with him. But I, I wonder uh, why, if you can nuance it, maybe you could come out okay. Um, I always wonder if Pelagius, if he was the Anglican and mm. um, James was the Greek, and does that put us in a different conflict of some sort? Yeah, uh, you, uh, we often, as, as, as human beings, especially at least nowadays, uh, assume that conflict is bad. Um, but uh, I would pay good money to go back in time and put uh, the author of James and Paul in a room to have out this argument because I wouldn't be so shocked if, you know, Paul orates uh, his belief and then James debates and says this and Paul's response is, well, yeah, no, of course, you know, you know what I mean? Of course you got, you can't just say things and not do things. That would be ridiculous. I didn't mean that. You know, I wouldn't be entirely shocked if you, 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 put the, uh, the, their feet to the fire that they may not, may have agreed more than we think. I think you might be right. There's no tone of voice in the scripture. Is right, there? right, right, right. Yeah. Um, uh, because yeah, what, what often I think gets lost is there's all this background information for the author as to the point that they want to make. And in some cases you, you can kind of read some of Paul's writing and be like, this seems very specific, <laughs> you know, something you're addressing something here specifically to this group of people for a reason, not with the intention of like, Oh, I really hope this writing gets saved for 2000 years and is the basis of religion. Exactly. It's generalized <laughs> to everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really like, no, no, no. I wanted to talk to that guy in the corner who is being a jerk. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because of the thing that he said or did. And I wanted to address that or the, the this group of people who are losing their way and right. ignoring the poor or, you know, uh, context makes such a difference. It really I think does. you're really onto something there, because if you were to nuance this and if you could take the context uh, and the audience into account, I think that there's a place for both, aren't there? I mm -hmm. mean, if you so James in today's reading says, you know, if you don't. Uh, do works, your faith is, your religion is worthless. Right. Um, so, but on the other hand, um, it's this whole thing about lip service. I mean, uh, Mark says that. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, 
Jesus says that in Mark's gospel today. So it is, it is interesting. You don't want people to feel so guilty that they didn't do it, that they can never come back around and uh, be freed to try again. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what Paul's point is. I don't know. Very, very much, very much possible. But it is, it, it, it I mean, that the example in verse 16, I think any reader can read that and, and like, oh yeah, I would, yeah, I don't think I would feel a sense of accomplishment if I'm like, yeah, peace be with you and, 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 you know, go, go keep warm. Hope and, you get and, warm. I hope you get warm and eat all you possibly can. <laughs> yeah, hope you have a nice and, dinner tonight. And then, and then, it, you know, know that they're poor and that does, that does not happen because you, nobody has done anything exactly. to, to help. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Do you think this puts the prosperity gospel on its head? I do. I, I do. I, 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 Prosperity gospel and I don't get along very well, um, um, but um, I think that um, this this kind of helps color the conversation for uh, um, people who do have prosperity, because there there are there are many. Uh, one of the things that Paul does a really good job of and says over and over and over again, uh, is, is giving us the imagery that we all fit into this puzzle in different ways, not equally, uh, that, that some of us are this part of the body or this part of, uh, uh, the, the imagery that, that, uh, makes up some sort of a whole and that the, the parts, the gears to this mechanism are not the same size, same shape or the same function. And, prosperity i feel is like one of those one of those gears one of those mechanisms of like well, people with who have prosperity yeah they're they're called to something a little different because of that prosperity that's you fit into the body this way and this is you are to use this uh, it, um uh, almost as if it were a talent of yours that this is away. this is yeah this is something for for you to be able to share mm-hmm. not because you're more blessed than others but there's the prosperity fit, gospel yes right. not that you're more blessed no but yeah but that you you thank god that you are that you do have this because this particular gift someone has to have prosperity and in order to share because the idea that that uh here on earth we're going to ever achieve you know uh um uh, you know, some sort of prosperity equality is probably, probably never going to happen. I mean, it's just, it, the, that's kind of the human nature. So we, we need people who have prosperity to also have conscious hearts and, and, and a mentality of sharing and, and not only the faith basis, but also the works basis to go along with that because yeah, you can't, um, there, I think there's another argument though here for the for for the writing of James that that uh, you know sometimes the the person the, the shoes on the other foot and they have they don't have works that they can you know accomplish. I think of ind- individuals who are, who are uh, uh, o- older and, and and less mobile. They can't you know you, you can't do the kind of works that other people can do. Uh, or you're young and 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 are, aren't uh, um, you know maybe you don't have the knowledge or wherewithal to 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 know how you fit into a situation to do works. Maybe that's the period of time when faith takes uh, takes the wheel and 
It's interesting. It raises the question for me, what counts as a work? Does it have to be a deed? For example, a baby's laugh mm -hmm. can change the tone in a <clears throat> yeah, whole room. for sure. You know? And an uh, older person can listen, you know, yeah. or receive, for goodness sakes, you know. And uh, nobody can give if there's no one to receive. And all mm -hmm. those things seem important uh, sure. to the whole body. Well, it also makes me wonder if there's like a, a, a social context to, to the writing that that we're just not as plugged into. Uh, the, the, the Greeks and Romans were focused on uh, different different things as part of their culture that some we share and some we don't. Right. And so it does make me wonder if there's like, a, oh, well, the Greeks were very, you know, the Greeks were very interested in, uh, you know, this aspect of 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 human experience and this is how they theorized we walk through life and so sometimes that context comes into play on these writings of like oh well what you need to understand is the greek <laughs> you know focused on this and so paul's addressing the greek uh philosophy and that's completely lost <laughs> in in the writings of the bible because they're that's that's the sub context that's not written down you know listening to you makes me reflect on what does prosperity actually mean because you don't have to have money to be prosperous really true what you really need is you need enough to eat you know you need love from you need a community you need a place mm -hmm. uh, where people know you by name and and care about you and you need laughter i mean that's just interesting we've that's it's interesting to think about it in our culture right now where we have all of these people who have so much money and it's considered prosperity but finally you know you can't take it with you and um that's and i love that little part he's so specific isn't he about people that come in and they look all grubby yeah yeah i think <laughs> what does he say again uh um uh let's see here uh if a per person with gold rings and, fi and fine clothes comes into your assembly and if a person in dirty clothes also come in you say to the one wearing fine clothes have a seat here please uh while the the one who is poor you say stand there or sit at my feet Boy, that's a that's a real um, that's a real challenge to me. I will say, mm -hmm. and I think that's a that's a big one. If we really worked as a parish, you know, or as a neighborhood, or as a family, to try to uh, work that, uh, it would change things. And I know I have lots of colleagues um, when they wear their collar into a new church. Everyone's like, "Oh, sit here, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, welcome. Who are you?" And then they walk in as a regular old guest off the street. I mean, they don't smell or have grubby clothes or anything, but they're just a normal person who's a stranger and people don't even talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember a sermon from many years ago, uh, probably when I was a kid actually. And, and I, I, this was probably more analogous than in based in reality. Uh, but a, a, I think the story went something to the tune of, uh, a, a church was getting ready to welcome a new pastor or a new priest and uh, um, the the priest uh, 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 basically dressed up as, you know, um, one of these, you know, grubby, poor individuals. Really? Indi individuals. Uh, and when the time for the pastor or the priest to come out, uh, they stood up and walked to the front and then shared their experience of how no one welcomed them. Um, again, probably more oh analogous. Oh, my God. But uh, it does kind of almost make you make I, I, I can imagine someone out there uh, who, who might want to serve is going into a new 
level of service. Yeah. It could be kind of tempting to give it a try, it's a little yeah. social experiment and try. So anyone out there attending a church service uh, with a new priest, be careful. <laughs> Maybe they heard this. Maybe they heard that story. And, yeah. and, I heard but, an interview with Russell Moore, who left the Southern Baptist Convention recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, his comment was that he feels like all the people that are churchgoers really understand the values of Jesus, including what we're hearing in James right this minute, um, and believe in them, but that the overlay of culture is so strong mm -hmm. that they have a hard time living the gospel over the strong uh, pull of social acceptance and culture. And that may be uh, something that to pay attention to. It's nicely put, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. very much so. Um, yeah, as we're, as we're wrapping up here on this second reading, I think, I think it's fair to say that there, there's some, there's a level of uncomfortability here, if that's a word. I don't know if uncomfortability is a word, but uh, there's a level of discomfort with it because as you read through it, sure, your brain can look at it and go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure, sure, sure. And then your brain can reread it and go, have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? Mm -hmm. Have you ever done that? Can I imagine myself doing it the other way? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think the only one that uh, that that some of us uh, probably feel good about is the one about, uh, hey, if you if you say, I don't commit adultery, but you murder, like... <laughs> Again, Oops. again, probably more analogous than yeah, <laughs> than right. based in reality. Right. That's the only one that I, that I think we can collectively read and go, "Whew, yeah, That's got it. that one down. Good, <laughs> I am good." Uh, um, and then the other ones are kind of a little bit more uncomfortable. Where they we're are. kind of like, yeah, you're right. yeah I've done that before." We talk about comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, and James yes. has just afflicted us. Yes, <laughs> and in 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 the best of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, well, let's move on to our gospel reading then, sure. shall we? Uh, our gospel reading this week is from Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through 37. Mm -hmm. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose da little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile of, oh my goodness, I did not prep for this, uh, Syrophoenician origin. He, she begged him to cast the demon out of her. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the De Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue, then looked up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephathatha, Epatha, all sorts of words that I did not prepare for. I am truly sorry. Aramaic, Ephatha. Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. 
Then Jesus ordered to te- ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealous they proclaimed it. They were astounded, astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Um, Ephatha, to be opened. That's a... I don't know why I don't remember that... Um, that being in the gospel, your uh, Aramaic's a little slight. My, here, yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little, yeah, yeah. Boy, between that word and uh, uh, Syrophoenician, um, uh, I really butchered that. But uh, the, the what's what's uh, good, at least for us uh, as the listeners and and the the, uh, the the podcasters, is it's kind of it really is kind of set up by that uh, that line in Isaiah of of healing the sick and uh, 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 curing the deaf um, and the dumb the, the tongue is loosened and can speak it's yeah. amazing yeah um it is interesting to me that both of these healing stories are are um um i don't know if they're in, amid um the the crowd stories in mark i feel like mark's uh, uh stories often involve uh uh, a sense of intimacy as opposed to when we were reading uh, John, every, you know, there was a section that was all about crowds and, and, you know, the crowds gathering and the crowds following and all these things happen. And, and these are, these are two very intimate uh, moments. Uh, the, the second one uh, had the, the, the potential ability of being done in public, but it, expressly mark expressly says that he moved him into a private setting away from the crowd yeah it's interesting isn't it because that happens a lot in scripture Mm -hmm. you don't heal uh you know peter's mother-in-law and the little girl uh i mean they do it in private that's a good question isn't it what's going on yeah well it's also you know i think it's mark here that does have this kind of running theme of of jesus healing people and then telling them to tell no one um which is like the impossible task of ordering someone like whatever you do, don't think about a giraffe right now. Right. And then the, immediately your brain goes like, Oh, oh I failed. <laughs> I failed. So it, it's like, I, it makes me wonder why uh, that does get uh, cataloged. Why, why we chronicle Jesus telling people that he is healed to not tell anybody. Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, because not much. They call it the messianic secret. Yeah. And um, it's interesting. Some will say that uh, Jesus in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that Jesus did not really know he was the Messiah until the resurrection. And others think, no, he was aware of who he was early on. And it's not completely clear. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but it's interesting if, if you found yourself um, uh, praying for someone and they got well, right, and then someone realized it, and then suddenly people started coming to you and saying, could you pray for this person? And every time you prayed for them, they got well. To tell you the truth, I had a friend like that. And hmm. he finally prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, this has got to stop. I have to live a life. I've got a family. I've got a job. I can't be healing people all the time. And I've never quite gotten over that because it's such a magnificent gift. And right. we we think it's strange, but I do think that it's a gift that God does give people and intends it to happen. So in this case, uh, for Jesus, it's, uh, I don't know. I He's got a message to give, though. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder whether 
if people are so distracted by getting out of him what they want, heal this person, heal that person, mm-hmm. that that would keep them from listening to what he's saying or That's a seeing good point. the bigger picture. The fact is that what we've got here is the kingdom of God. You know, mm-hmm. is, this is another instance of the kingdom of God when he heals these people. And um, Jesus keeps trying to point to the kingdom and to the God. Um, and people are really, they what they really want is to pay attention to him and these, well, works, I guess you'd say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Faith and works, let's be clear. Yeah, He's got them both yeah. in spades. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I suppose the more I think about it, uh, how odd would it, the gospel writings be if Jesus did say like, now go tell everybody you know about me and how great I am mm-hmm. and about the wondrous things that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose there's there, you know, having asked the question, I can find my own answer of like, boy, that, that would not seem very Christ-like. That would feel very odd if he was, if, if Is Christ was going around, uh, uh, tooting his own horn as it were and and uh, uh trumpeting his own entrance and 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 uh, um um beefing him his his uh his social status up as much as he can like oh yeah go tell everybody right the name's the name's jesus right <laughs> yep it's not about him it's no it's really not but they do say that they're right in before this, he's got the feeding of the 5,000. Mm-hmm. And there's this, uh, some commentators think that this is all about bread and about feeding people. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. I don't know what you think about nurturing in that way. The Syrophoenician woman has that reference to crumbs, you know, right. um, uh, that, and she really wants to claim. In fact, um, when she's asking him, would you please heal my daughter? And he's like, well, you're not a Jew. I'm not here to, to heal you. Uh, you're, you're like the, the pups, the puppy dogs. Right. And right. Um, she says, well, but even they get to eat the crumbs. And uh, Jesus, I wonder sometimes, if, did he gulp? You know? Yeah. Was <laughs> he showed up? What was his response? Yeah, there's a, I mean, the, the, this story in particular, uh, the, the Syrophoenician woman uh, and her story is not just contained in the Gospel of Mark. I, 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 as I was reading that, I recognized like, oh, the one that I know better is is one of the other Gospels. The Canaanite woman from Matthew. Yeah. yeah. It's probably, yeah, you're right. It's probably Matthew. Um, because there's there's a little, there's it, the back and forth here is a little bit different in Mark than it is in Matthew. Um, because, yeah, you're right. You definitely get that feeling of him referring to... Uh, um, her and her kind as the dogs in the story it's a little it's a little more nuanced here in mark um it doesn't go right uh to it uh he does say let the let the children be fed first for it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs it's a little less clear that that he's making that reference towards her in this gospel good Um, point that's right that's a good point um yeah so i don't know if that's intentional by mark (laughs) or uh it was more intentional by matthew or 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 what that was uh but it is it is interesting that it it, in mark it kind of seems like as though she's the one who uses that imagery to play off of Mm -hmm. of and, and to say like hey look even the, you know, even the dogs and, you know, let's take care. You've got to take care of everybody. And, and, 
that's the pecking order. Even the dogs get taken care of in the, in your, in this analogy. Right. And there's plenty. I mean, that's <clears throat> yeah. with the feeding of the 5,000, right? There was plenty. There were leftovers. Right. right. Yeah. That was just before this. Right. But then this whole thing about the, the healings after that is, uh, it's interesting to think about that as nourishment. Is that food? Is it food to be healed? Uh, mm. to, to be able to see, to be able to hear, to be able to speak. I, it, uh, I, in the sense that food, you have to have food to live. You mm-hmm. need it. Um, and there's so much of life that you can't do if you can't hear or uh, see or uh, yeah. speak. I suppose as a practical matter, matter, being healed in any a number of those ways helps you feed yourself better. Uh, it certainly doesn't detract. So, uh, if, if at the very least, from the very practical matter of of, uh, of having more ability, uh, yeah, they you know it, it should should help with the, the kind of the sense of feeding and being fed. But I think I think you're right. I think I think there's there's a, a lot to be said about that. This is this is a um, kind of like a, a a spiritual and physical uh, feeding. Uh, um, example. Well, and if you think about the kingdom of God, which is the op- you know the opening line in in Mark with with John the Baptist, um, the kingdom of God is at hand, and Jesus uh, being here kind of inaugurates the kingdom. So it uh, it makes me wonder. So what what is it that makes the kind of the explosion like fireworks? This little. Mm-hmm. Uh, the explosion of an instance of the kingdom actually here in our midst. Um, is it the woman uh, awakening Jesus? You know, mm-hmm. is it the healing of the woman's daughter? Is it the fact that um, people are have the humility to ask for healing? Um, is it um, I? Is it the fact that I am able to see? Or is it the fact that there is a person who is able to pray for God's healing of me and is willing to do it? Because these these healing things, um, after Jesus was resurrected, the disciples began to heal. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I wonder how many people have healing gifts but aren't using them because we think people will think we're silly or crazy or people don't expect Christ to heal us in any other way other than the medical profession or the drugs. Right. Um, I don't know. Which, which, what of all of this would you see as that moment of the kingdom of God kind of like it, uh, very explodes in your mouth, exploding in our midst? You know, there. it, it for, for me, it, uh, it, I, I am also, I'm, simultaneously drawn to an answer, but also simultaneously drawn to the fact that there's discrepancies. You know what I mean? There, there, cause my immediate, uh, gut reaction is it's this, some of the stories go into more depth about it. And some of them are, are a little bit more surface level, but it's the interaction that they, there is, there is time spent between the individual and Christ and a back and forth usually ensues in, in, in the case of the Syrophoenician woman, there's, we, we get a piece of that dialogue for the, uh, the, the, the deaf man who had an impediment on a speech. We don't it's, but it, it, it still is 
implied here. They begged him to lay his hand, and then he took him privately uh, and and uh, had his moment with him. But it's this interaction, this engagement. Um, but then yet we have examples like uh, um, Christ talking to an individual, uh, telling him like, oh, what, what do you have to do? What do I have to do to be born again? And he that guy walks away frustrated. He, he gets it. He, he's engaged and there's nothing really ever kind of comes of that. And he, he feels as though like, oh, well, shoot, that's not for me then. Uh, so so uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I like the the idea. I personally like the idea of this this kind of communion, this this meeting uh, kind of in the center. And, and that I see more often than anything else of, you know, the woman reaching out and grabbing his cloak is very proactive. And that causes an engagement and, a, and, and kind of meeting somewhere in the middle. Um, but not it's not at, hey, never, never is it the, the situation of like, I really need you to come over here and meet me where I'm at <laughs> so that healing can occur. <laughs> you know, relationship, that's, that's quite something. Somebody told me once that the theory of relativity is actually the theory of relationship, that mm -hmm. everything is related mm -hmm. and that what you do affects me. Um, and that that might be, uh, I think you might be onto something about the kingdom of God. And we're not necessarily looking at the interaction. Mm -hmm. We're looking at the thing or the person and not the connection. Right. You're looking either at the before or the after. You're looking at the outcome or you're looking at who this person is and whether or not they, they deserve it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. but that also reveals a lot, uh, um, as, as I kind of uh, uh, shared on the front end of the podcast, a lot about who I am. Because uh, that's, that's how I, that's the lens through which I view the world. Mm -hmm. So um, interaction is, that's, that's my playground. So mm -hmm. of course I want it to look that way. <laughs> well, and that's your lens. So also you can recognize it there mm -hmm. and people that, um, uh, other people can see the kingdom of God exploding in other ways and places. Yeah. That would be blind. To yeah. To, to which I, I might be completely oblivious exactly. to. Yeah. yeah. And which doesn't, yeah. doesn't lessen or, or belittle, uh, uh, that perception. Uh, it just, just means I, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't had been spat on yet. <laughs> I can't see it. Uh, I can't, I can't hear it. I, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, not, not in that space. So. I have, uh, just a little quotation I'd like to give before we go. Sure. That's okay. Please. I was in a church, um, this week, just wandered in and there was a quotation that was so simple and so clear and I wish that I'd known this, you know, a few decades ago. Uh, it was the distinction between mercy and grace. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of mercy, I would say, and grace in all of these texts for next Sunday. Um, it said, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mm -hmm. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting more than you deserve? Getting what you do deserve. Get, getting, getting, I'm sorry. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Getting what you don't deserve. 
So if I uh, hmm. have insulted you or mm -hmm. hurt someone, uh, I really deserve to be called to account for that. Mm -hmm. I deserve to be given a cosmic timeout, you know, uh, maybe a year's COVID. I'm not sure. Um, and then, but uh, when that person forgives me or uh, I find a way to make it right again, you know, I end up not having the guilt and not having whatever uh, repercussions I might have. I don't get the negative mm. that I really ought to, given all the sinful nature and the blindness that I have in my life. But um, then uh, these good things come to me mm -hmm. and I completely don't deserve them. And I love that because I think that for me, and as I look around us, a big chunk of the sinful part is um, not not expecting that uh, there would be any repercussions for my negative thoughts or, or actions. Um, so then I maybe don't notice the mercy when I'm able to continue. Mm. Um, and then, and I think this may be particular for our culture, I'm not sure, is that when wonderful things happen to me out of the blue, I just take them in, you know, bring them on as if I deserve them. But that, mm -hmm. that uh, humility of this Syrophoenician woman, for example. Yeah. Um, she was strong. Uh, humble didn't mean that she was, you know, self-putting down, but that uh, humility in the sense of seeing rightly uh, what she deserved and what she didn't and uh, appreciating the grace that she received when her daughter was in fact healed. Yeah. Even though maybe none of us deserves it. Yeah, that's a, that's a very powerful, uh, uh, phrase and boy that def definitely changes your view on on sure <laughs> on change mine <laughs> that's right i think when you get that mercy though sometimes you do still get what you deserve it's just you give it to yourself if you if you recognize that you just received mercy you're you're you'll you you might you might help even out that cosmic force and be like <laughs> oh oh i did not deserve that <laughs> And I think the the second you you know what you do deserve is is it's almost as powerful as getting actually getting it. Um, um, I agree. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, with that, I think we'll draw to a close this year podcast for September fifth, twenty twenty one, the fifteenth Sunday after Pentecost, proper eighteen. Uh, to a, a big shout out to you, Susan, for uh, sitting down with me and and uh, uh, hopping okay. in and yeah, letting me uh, ask all my weird questions. Um, Thank you, Ben. This has been wonderful. Yeah, yeah. That was, this is really great. And if you want to see more, uh, not only is our uh, live uh, broadcast of uh, this past Sunday's uh, worship on our uh, YouTube channel at HFEC videos. You can see uh, what Susan had to say uh, about this past Sunday. Uh, but you can, you're more than welcome to join us either in person or online. In person, we have uh, church services on Sunday at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. And the 10 a.m. service will also be streamed live. Uh, you can find out more information about what's going on at the church at hfec.org. That, that is also Holy Family 
holyfamilyfishers.org. Uh, and that will also have links so to Holy our... Family Fishers is spelled out in the... Yes. Oh, okay. But hfec.org also works. So, so okay. and generally, if you have any other questions, comments, uh, concerns, you want to, you want to uh, uh, in, encourage me to uh, uh, talk less and listen more, email me at uh, shortcut at hfec.org. And until next week, uh, I've been Ben. And I'm Susan. And we will talk to you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.